Good morning, everyone. I still think we can do better. Let's, let's do one more time. Third time's turn, right, Mikey? So one, two, three. Good morning. Now, won't you look over at your neighbor, smile real big, and say, it's a good morning. It's a good morning. Today's a good day. It's a good day to be at God's house. Thank you for being faithful and coming out and uh, worshiping together with your church family and a body of believers. Um, we are in the, this is the last uh, part of our uh, Skeletons in God's Closet sermon series, and we're discussing some things, uh, some uh, issues that people have that they say that God tries to hide things from society or hide things from the world or hide things from us. But how many knows that our God doesn't hide, but he reveals he reveals himself to us, and he shows us truly his true nature. And we uh, don't have to look far to see that his true nature is the good things in life. Amen? His nature is good things. That's his characteristics. That's his traits or his attributes, as many in the church would call them. And, and we know the attributes of God and how that he uh, always shows us the right way. And today we're going to look at this uh, last part of this series, and it, it deals with uh, war, the topic of war. Because many wars on this earth have been waged with God's name attached to those wars. And we need to look to see if it is God that is fighting that war or if it's us. The last few weeks of this sermon series, we've discussed things such as uh, uh, God's judgment and, and, and will he judge righteously, I believe wholeheartedly that he will, that he is a good judge and he will not be unfair, but he will be just and we don't have to worry when we go before him. So today as we look at this, this topic of war, our text today is from Genesis chapter 15 verses 12 through 16. Let's stand as we read these verses Genesis chapter 15 verse 12 through 16 as the sun was going down Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him then the Lord said to Abram you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years but I will punish the nation that enslaves them and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Look at your neighbor say, that's what I want. You will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your warnings. Lord, for the signs that you give us. Lord, we pray today as we study this topic of war. Lord, that we know that in our world that we're living today, that war is on the horizon. Lord, that we have been through over the past several decades just war after war after war. And we know it says in your word, 
Lord, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, that Jesus warned us of this. So God, help us today to get insight into your word and how that you want us to live at peace and how that you desire peace for us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. The scripture says in Romans that if it be possible to live at peace with all men. If it be possible. So, how many believes it is possible? How many believes it's possible to have peace in your life? How many feels like you're living in the total, absolute satisfaction of life and life is 100% peaceful right now? Your home, there's no fighting, there's no bickering, kids are not arguing. It's just an absolute peaceful environment. Anybody? I go into people's homes all the time, and when I go into your house, I'll see a, a peace, the word peace spelled out. And it might be in a picture. It might be a, a, a new uh, type of uh, artwork that they come up with. You know, a few years ago they had the, the thing where that it was the American flag stuff and, and people have peace wrote up on that stuff and, and then it went on to a new fad was the next was what the the old stuff uh, Americana and then the next one was primitive and you, you just go through seasons and then you, you can go to Hobby Lobby and get all kinds of peace can't you true you go up to Hobby Lobby just walk through the aisles and see if there ain't love and harmony and, and peace and, and all these words to spell out that you can put up on your wall as a placard to say that this is a word that is, is characterizing my home. Don't we do it? What's the one in our hallway say? in our hallway so as soon as you come out of our bedroom you're looking straight at this little sign on the wall and it tells us that, that those are the things that's going to be in our home but I can assure you if you live with Leslie or I mean if, if Leslie has to live with Ben I, I'll turn that around let's turn it around my way so if Leslie has to live with Ben it's probably not going to be a peaceful home why are you laughing, Morgan? Because it's true. So we write these placards and buy these things and put it up on our wall. And even at church, look right here. You think that is a true statement and characteristic of Bethesda? You think every person that walks in these doors, that sits down on these chairs, can say that's true? There's people set here that don't love God. And there's been people set here that don't love people. Because when you say you love people, that means everybody. And if you was honest with yourself, you can't say that you love every single person that you've ever come in contact with in your life. True? So we can, we can tout these words about ourself and about our home and about our life and try to represent our, ourself with these good lights 
and these good signs and these, these good words up on the wall that tries to make people feel like that when you're in your home, well, well, this is a peaceful home. Just look at that sign. This just seems so peaceful. And you'll put on that facade, right, that face, that wherever you get company. How many's ever cleaned up when company comes? Anybody? I want, I want to show of hands how many's ever had to clean up when company comes. Yes. The best time is when they call you like five minutes before they get there. They're like driving towards your house and they're coming to visit and they're, they're coming over and, and they call you and they'll be like, hey, we're coming over, uh, we got some food and we're coming over and we're going to visit for a little bit. What happens? It's panic mode. It's like, oh no, there's a piece of paper on the floor. I got to get this. Oh no, let's, let's put all this stuff. I do this every time somebody comes to our house. I, all my books, I'll straighten them up on the table. They're still, the table still looks like a big pile of gum, but at least it's straight. And my boots are, yeah, I've got to put all them by the radio. So I grab all the shoes. That some of them I've got in the kitchen. Some of them I've got in the living room. I've got some over here to the other side of the living room. And I get them all and put them in one place and put them in a row so it seems like they're straight. My normal life is not that way. Have you ever been to my house and you came when I wasn't there maybe and, and Leslie didn't clean up because she was coming because she just don't care. She don't get in no big hurry. It's just like, yeah, come on in. Me? I grew up in Bonnie's house. Mary can attest to this. And we have these we have these parties at mom's house all the time, you know, these these big get togethers and church picnics and, and like for a missions conference coming up, usually one day we'll go up there and have a have a big missions get together and, and all these people come up. And mom always hires Mary for like two weeks before to work every day on a it's like a shutdown, Eric, at mom's house. That she she literally it's a seven twelves deal where that you, you work until you're tired, where's dad out? Because when you go up there, it looks real clean and nice and tidy. It's like, wow, they, they, these people must just live in total cleanliness. But I grew up in that home. And I know that there's times when there's stuff laying everywhere. Am I right? And I can assure you, the cleanest home you've ever went into and the tidiest people at some point when nobody's looking, there's an extra shirt hanging on the corner. Maybe one of the best ones that I've ever known, the, the tidiest people I've ever known in my life, is Tom Swergeon. Anybody that ever went to Tom Swergeon's house, I mean, am I telling the truth, Betty? There isn't a speck of anything anywhere, and everything is in place. It's, it's like total, it's absolute perfection. But even every now and then, you could go into Tom and Garthas, and Gartha would come in and hang her shirt on the wrong place, maybe on the chair. Maybe she'd hang it something, something else, her purse over here somewhere else. But Tom was always right behind her. It wouldn't be just a few minutes, and he'd grab it, and he'd move it, and he'd put it where it's supposed to go because he's always tidying up. Sweeping, cleaning, wash her car, wax her car. But even in the cleanest home I've ever been in, there was stuff misplaced from time to time. What I'm saying this for is because we've all got this front that we try to put on for others to see like we are good. Is that truth? 
do we all try to appear better than what we truly are? If you could truly characterize my life, it would probably be that you would characterize me from what I have tried to present myself to you. So the way you would talk about me or characterize me is about the way that you have saw me. Okay? You following me? So if I was talking to somebody maybe that don't know me real well and, and they know me as a man of peace or a man that don't say much, I've heard pe people's actually literally said that about me. Ben don't talk much. Apparently ain't been around me very long, have they? Because it seems like that's all it is talk. But usually if I'm in a crowd and I'm in a new crowd, a new situation, I'll try to sit by and sit on a corner and I'll be quiet and listen. And if people only saw that side of me, they would say, I don't talk very much. So that's their picture of me. But if you talk to Leslie, she might say, he's not very peaceful. I don't want to fall either. I just hope the skeleton won't get me. So, you don't want... the truth about what's on the inside of you to be presented. The Bible said the heart is de deceitful and it's more wicked than any other thing. The heart of man. Amen. And if we let our true heart come out and people to see us truly for who we are, then they would characterize us according to who we truly are, and then we wouldn't have the big shining light over our head like we've got a halo over us. Amen. So these pictures that we try to paint of all these things, and we try, try, want people to perceive us this way, and we want them to perceive our home to be a home of peace. This is things that we try to set that perception out there so that they will see that, whether it's true or not. God is not like that. I said, God is not like that. He don't have a skeleton structure underneath that is full of wickedness, that has sin, that has deceit or deception or any of these other words like man does. So when you get down to the core of who God is, of his character, you're not going to find those things. So if God says heaven is peace, What is heaven going to be? It's going to be peace. If he says there's going to be joy in heaven, do you have to worry about being sorry when you're there? I've heard a lot of people say that. Well, what if I get there and so-and-so's not there? I'm going to be sorry. The Bible says there's going to be no tear to dim the eye in heaven. If God said that, that's what he means. It means there will be no sadness. He can wipe that remembrance away to where that you don't have to go through that pain and that sorrow like you do here on this earth. 
So God, when he tells us things and he describes himself in ways and he characterizes himself in ways, he's telling the truth where we put on a false face. And when he tells you that this is this way, we need to take it exactly for what it is. So we're discussing the topic of war, and, and we look through this verse where that God promised Abraham. I'm telling you right now, Abram, you're in, the, you're in this land, you're laying asleep, it's the middle of the night, and I give you a dream. In this dream, I tell you that your descendants are going to be carried away, they're going to be led away because of this famine's going to happen, and they're going down to this foreign country, and they're going to live there for 400 years, and they're going to be slaves. If God gives you that dream, what's going to happen? It's going to cause you to have anxiety, right? It's going to have you to cause you to have fear or or wonder why and start asking all these questions. So as God gives this to Abram, he tells him they're going to be laid away 400 years, but he doesn't leave you with the fear of he's abandoning you. He leaves you with a promise. You, your descendants will go through this for 400 years, but they will come out. Amen? Because that's the character of God, not to leave you in the state you're in. That's, a, that's, a, that's as much of a true statement as I've ever said in my life. God will not leave you in the state you're in. It's his character to redeem mankind from sin. It's in his makeup, his DNA, not to leave you like you are. Look at your neighbor and say, God don't want, he don't want to leave you like you are. You're a train wreck right now, and God wants to fix that. It's in his character to take what you consider your life, and you know, when I was talking a minute ago about the true inner self, your skeletons, the, the skeletons in your closet, if I would sit here and tell you today that automatically within five minutes' time that God is going to put up every sin of every person in this room on that screen, it'd be an empty house real fast. I guarantee you. If your sins just from this week alone were posted on that wall within the next five minutes, there's going to be nobody sitting left in here thinking, man, I want to see what so-and-so did because you're going to want to get out of here because you're going to say, mine's showing up next. God doesn't want to leave you like that. It's his desire to fix you. His character is to redeem things. So when we're thinking about God and thinking about this, that he's promising Abraham these things and telling him, they, this is going to happen, they're going to be in slavery, your descendants, and, and that's not a, 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 a great thing to, to be presented with. That you're, What if I told you, Mike, that your grandkids are going to be slaves for the next 400 years? Would you jump up and down and join and be like, whoo, I couldn't wait for that dream. That's the best dream I ever had. We don't understand sometimes when God presents us with the truth. We don't understand it. But in that same sentence, when he says they're going to be in slavery for the next 400 years, they will come out. And I'm going to bring them back to this land that I have promised you. Yes. 
what it proves is the seasons of life, when God promised me something, he's got character to bring it to pass. He's not going to leave me like I am. So as we're saying this about war, what is God's intent on war? What do we have in our mind when we say, is God a God of war? Is God at war with humanity? Is that a character of God that we would place on him? That he is a, a, a God that is at war with human, humankind or human nature? I don't think so. He made you. Why would he make you if he's going to be at war with you? So as we look at this, is God really at war with humanity? We have to decide. Is whenever America decides that we want to go to war with Iraq or Afghanistan or when, when our elected officials want to go to war and they declare war on a nation, what country's in turmoil right now that America is trying to, 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 to go through and, and create this place to where that we was wanting to go to war with them a few years ago, but now this past week our Secretary of State went there and signed a peace agreement, a peace treaty, to just stop fighting for four days. What nation is it? Syria. Syria. Because we want to go to war with Syria, does that mean God wants to go to war with Syria? You see, sometimes we say, well, we're coming because we're America and we're the great elite and we're coming to fight this war because we want to bring God to your nation. Does God always come with machine guns? This is something we have to decide as a society. Is, is, do we want to portray God as the God that comes with weapons of mass destruction? And America blamed Saddam Hussein for weapons of mass destruction, and he did use some. He killed 10,000 with his, and to date there's over... There's over 250,000 dead in Iraq today. It's in a grave because of our war. Because we say, we're coming in the name of the Christian God to declare war on a nation. Is God at war? I don't think God's at war with Iraq. You want to know what I think God is doing with Iraq? He wants to redeem Iraq. He wants to call them back to himself. And just because they've got a different skin color, just because they've got different DNA than us, just because they're, they're, they're not American and because they won't salute the flag and because they're, they're not like us, we can't declare that God is at war with them. You know why? Because the character of my God is to redeem mankind, not to do away with them. Sure, man can choose to deny God and walk away from God and go away and do his own thing and abandon himself from God. That's not God's fault. God chases down every human that's ever breathed a breath. How many believes that? How many believes until the last dying breath of Saddam, Saddam Hussein that God was chasing him to redeem him? How many was praying for him? 
when they caught him and, and had him in trials. I, I prayed for his salvation. When they come on the news and said that they was going to get Osama bin Laden, you know what I was doing? I wasn't joyful out in the streets. Yeah, glad somebody's dead. I was praying that somehow, some way, that the God of the universe had gotten to that man and brought redemption to him. And what if in the last two seconds of his breath that he spoke out and somehow God enlightened him? And what if someday we get in heaven? And what if it would be that the person sitting right in front of you in the chorus line would be Osama bin Laden? Would you be disheartened? Would you be mad that God, why would you redeem him, God? When we talk about war, is it God at war with humanity? Or is it us? I believe it's our fault. Sure, Abram, your kids are going to go in. They're going to be in slavery. They're coming out, and they're going to sleep in this land, and they're going to take over this land, and I'm going to give this land over here in this part of the earth in the Middle East, and I'm going to declare it to be Israel. It's going to be the nation of Israel. you got to think about this. You know what Abram was? You think he was Israeli? You, wh where was Abram from? You know where that's at? Iraq. You want to know what? You want to know who Abraham was? He was Iraqi. And he brought him over to give him this land. And as he's laying in this land and God's giving him his dreams and showing him the future and showing him all these things, uh, Iraqi laying on the ground in the middle of the Middle East, right there, right about Jerusalem where this dream happens. And can you imagine camping out in a tent? He never had a home. He never built a house. He lived in a tent. In American culture, back when America began, they would call these people that would come through and live on other people's ground, what would they call them? Squatters. This is a squatter that doesn't own the ground that he's sleeping on, and God telling him, your descendants will own this property, and it will be their nation, because I am their God, and they are my people. What kind of picture do you envision for your future generations? Because we've got to tackle this issue of war because if humanity is at war with each other, it doesn't paint a pretty picture. I don't like hearing the stories from the World War II people about all the wars that they went through. I sit and listen to these military veterans as they come in and, and talk, and, and I'll talk to these people that, that some of them are Korean War veterans. I listen to their stories about going over to Korea and fighting. Talked to a guy wasn't too long ago. He was on the boat that went down to Cuba that stopped the Russian missiles from being offloaded at Cuba, the Cuban Missile Crisis under JFK. He talked about the thought of being at war and being on a boat with, with Russia with missiles, with with uh, atomic missiles right beside of you. 
scary. A few years later, what do you know? Oh, another war. Imagine that. The Vietnam War. So all these wars are happening and happening. It's, it's, a, it's a culture of war that we live in. Then you go on to Iran, the, the big deal that happened with Iran where they held our uh, 52 people hostage for 400 days, Americans. All these wars continue to happen. The Desert Storm the back in the 90s, and then we come after 9-11 that we go to war with Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and all these wars keep happening around us. And because they're happening in, in, in greater intensity, our weapons have changed, and now all these wars are happening, and it's just like secondhand nature now that just we're just at war. It's common. How many feels like that? It's just it's just common anymore. When you talk about a war, well, well, it's just something else we gotta do. It's just second nature, and as America, that's what we have to do. As Americans, we just gotta go to war. That's what we have to do. So whenever you go home, I would like for you to get a piece of pine board. And I'd like for you to draw out the words war. Get you a bandsaw and cut it out and stain it up and put pretty little pictures on it. Maybe get you some red, white, and blue ribbon and wrap around it. Maybe not even make it real little. Let's, let's get a big board. Let's cut it out of a, a four-by-eight sheet of plywood. And let's, let's hang that on our front door. Here's the picture I want on my wall. I want, this, I want everybody in my community to know that, that I, I love war. In my DNA, in my character, in my makeup of who I am, I, I, I kind of like this war ideal. Instead of peace, instead of love, instead of joy, instead of mercy, instead of grace, and all these other words that we put on our wall that truly doesn't characterize who we are, won't we put up the truth on the wall? When you're walking through Hobby Lobby aisles, do you see any big four by eight sheets of plywood there cut out in the words war? I might make one and send it to the CEO and see, hey, I got this new idea. I'm going to put this big war, big word war, and I'm going to put the hope of humanity. What's going to make the world a better place? At war, making the world a better place. Humanity's answer to the problems, war. What are we going to do with this issue known as the heart? This issue of the heart. The Bible says, out of this heart, Flows the issues of life. And I think we've all got some issues. And if we're going to get the truth about what we think about the skeletons in God's closet, we truly need to re reflect internal in us and say, what skeletons do I have in my closet? Quit thinking about how bad God is. And start thinking, how bad am I? Because whenever I've come into the image of God, the radiant 
light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there can't be any of this left. Flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. I've got to die, Paul said. I have to die daily. And if I die, it's great gain. I gain by dying. Amen. Won't you stand? Let's if you come and play. When Israel come out of Egypt and they went into the promised land, a lot of people think, and I read some stories in the book, this Skeletons in God's Closet book, and the guy describes it as a lot of people has this character of God where that they think that he is a holy, a God that is on a holy war path to tear down humanity. And they look at Israel as this big... Uh, grand army coming through the wilderness that God is sending and, and going to tear down these little people that's just living around in their community and it's actually the exact opposite because the Canaanites, the Hittites and all these other groups that was living in Cana they were the strong armies Jericho was a place, they had fortified cities Israel was the underdog they were foreigners they were squatters. And they come to fight this war to inherit their land that God had given them. And the people's fighting this war and they come and, and they didn't even really have any uh, top-notch ammunition. They didn't have any, any kind of modern warfare. In all of it, if you read through the Old Testament and see in the Old Testament, God wasn't at war. Man was at war. Because sin had come in and crept in and, and tore down mankind. And the underdog won because of God. The Bible says that men trust in chariots. But Israel's cry was, we're going to trust in God. And today you can try to fix yourself. You can continue to try to make yourself a better person. Terry, you can continue to try to keep yourself clean. Erica, same thing. You can, you can continue to try to do it yourself. Today we can accept the fact that I can't do anything. But every action I make is an act of war. And most of the time you want to know where the war happens? Right in here with ourselves. This is truth. We are at war with ourselves because we're fighting ourselves. Today would be a good day to die to yourself just as Paul did Paul said in Romans oh wretched man that I am 
Paul told in another epistle, he said, I am the chief among sinners. Today, if I told you we were starting our own little club and we're going to be our own little thing like a, 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 a Indian reservation and, and somebody needs to be elected chief and we're going to be known as the reser reservation of sinners. I'd say, who, who wants to be chief? Anybody want to be chief? Anybody want to be chief sinning man? Is that, want, is that what, you, what your name to be? That ain't who we want to be. Paul said, I'm the chief among sinners. But when we recognize our fallen state, that's the moment where God can take over and begin to redeem like he wants to do anyway. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Everybody in this place. Nobody looking around. I want to ask you this question. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, I know what you're talking about. I'm at war with myself, and I'm tired of fighting, and I want today to be the day that my home changes, that my life changes. Does anybody here want to raise your hand and say, I'm tired of being at war with myself. I'm ready for this change to happen. I want the peace of God that passes all understanding. I'm ready to come out from amongst them and be different, be a peculiar people. Is there anybody here that wants to be different today? You want to walk out of this place different than what came in this morning. You want peace. You're sick of turmoil. You're sick of pain. You're sick of suffering. And you're asking today, God, change me before I walk out these doors. You can put your hands down. Very simply put, it's as simple as a prayer. Obtaining that peace is as simple as a prayer. So if you would right now, would you please just repeat this prayer after me? Everybody here. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I ask for you to remove this sin, to remove this heartache, remove this war from within me. Make me a new man. Make me a new person. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, so that I won't sin against you. Let me walk out changed, redeemed, bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. How many believes that it's that simple? That giving yourself to God will change everything. Amen? It's as simple as that. Giving your heart to God will change everything. He is a redeemer. He's not at war with you. We are at war with ourselves, and he can change that. The Bible says the Lord bless and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you need special prayer, you can come forward. We'll pray with you. For whatever needs you may have in your home, your family, your friends, or your community, we'll be glad to pray for you. But love God.
Love people. Go be blessed. And spread peace and not war.